episode 71 of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary with Catherine and Kristen, where we believe there's nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for our virtual book club where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Hi, Catherine. Hey, Kristen. Uh, so... We are starting a new book this week. Uh, it is one of your favorites. I don't know if you want to announce it. Yeah, so we're doing Crooked Kingdom. So we did, um, we did Six of Crows, I don't know when, <laughs> in the past, one of the months, we did Six of Crows, uh, right before the show came out, I think, the second season of the show. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I just love this duology anyway, and I know that like the first book really ends on a cliff cliffhanger, and I kind of feel like Kristen would never read it if we didn't do it on the podcast. Yeah, that's a hundred percent correct. <laughs> yeah, no, that is so, you got it right. You 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 yeah. have it. Yeah. So uh, now we're doing it. So yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Yeah. I like you're right. I I typically don't like cliffhangers, but we've already moved on. We've already like we've already done it. Mm-hmm. So, and now we're on to the second part of the duology, so it's fine. Although I'm not going to like the end of this one either because somebody spoiler alert, someone dies. <laughs> And I yeah. really don't like, I don't like it when people, when like someone in the main, I don't like when someone dies. Yeah. I like, give me all the side character deaths, but don't take away from, like, don't make me love a character and then kill them. <laughs> yeah. I just, I can't deal with it. I got nothing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no. Um. I I love this duology. I think mostly because of Inej. I also love Kaz because he's just he's he's actually really similar to a character in Throne of Glass in that like you're reading the book, you think you know what's happening, and then they are they have like five million things calculated behind everybody's backs and the reader's back, and you're just like, when did they do this? I guess yeah. they don't sleep like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They, I love that. Like, I love that in Throne of Glass series, and I, I do like it in this book, too. I, yeah, I guess. I just, I do love that this is, like, essentially these are, like, heist books. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, essentially, it's like, oh, we're going on a heist. And then that's, that's the book. Um, The whole, like, when they add the, like, political intrigue and stuff into it, I'm a little, like, wah, wah. <laughs> but I mean it is what it is I am happy to read it and get sort of the closure from the cliffhanger in book one mm-hmm. Um, but like it didn't bother me that much so like not yeah. that it didn't bother me but like you you sort of told me what was going to happen a little bit like not a, not enough to spoil it but enough to like Help me, help me live my life. Yeah. 
Well, if I didn't tell you, you would have just looked it up anyway. Yes. No, you're right. A hundred percent. People find that really bizarre. I'm people. (laughs) No, I'm just saying other people other than you. Like I've been told that that's, that that's weird, but I've also met other people that are exactly like me. Oh yeah. Yes. There's like a, a, a colleague that I have that essentially does the same thing and I'm like yay I have a friend mm-hmm. who does the same <sighs> funny yeah so I'm not that weird <laughs> it's, I guess it's true <laughs> um, but yeah so I guess so um, Six of Crows is 100% a heist book in that book um Kaz and the crew go to the ice court to try to get um, Bo Yo Wool. Can't remember his name completely, but I thought that was it. Um, and then <laughs> when they get there, they like magically basically make it to the scientist's lair, and then this scientist is dead, so <laughs> they take his son. <laughs> away and they bring him back with them and then they're going to do the change for 30 million dollars for this kid basically mm-hmm. but um the guy that did the deal in the first place Van Eck, like goes back on his word and he's just going to basically leave them there and take away and say screw all of you guys but at the end of that book they had turned Wylan, who was Vanek's son, into, like, Kuwait's basically lookalike, um, because Nina had used Jerda for him, and she could tailor him. There's a lot going on. Um, so then they're having their standoff, and Kaz is like, that's actually not Kuwait, it's your son. And he's like, well, I don't care, you can all die here. Mm-hmm. Which was awful. And then he steals an edge and leaves. And I think it actually, the book ends with them going to see Hega Rollins, who is like the arch nemesis of Kaz because he's the reason that Kaz's brother died. Um, but Pekka has no idea who Kaz is from that past. He just knows him as like this kid that's in the barrel mm-hmm. stirring up shit. So there's lots going on. Yeah. And I just like, so, you know, we've got Kaz, like, had, he had so sweetly poured his, I'm gonna say for him, poured his heart out to Inej Mm -hmm. and, like, asked her to stay. And she was like, no, dude, if you can't touch people, I can't do this. And yeah, then she, yeah, yeah. And then you had Nina, who's like doped up on Yurda Perem, and like her and Matthias are like in love. And then you've got Jesper and Wylan. Something is starting, but it's, being all flirty, yeah, it hasn't really. So like everybody is just coupled up, but like there's nothing really happening with the couples, which is frustrating me. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's fair. This book, yeah, this book is a lot more YA for that kind of, like, like there's no real sex in it. No. Um, which obviously is very different from Sarah J. Mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're gonna get into it. Uh, just a heads up, we're not a spoiler-free zone, and things could get a little saucy. In, like, a violence way. Yeah, today, yeah. <laughs> well, for this book, yes. Yeah, and the fact that we also swear a bit when we talk. Just a smidge. <laughs> Just a smidge. Um... So, like we said, we're doing Crooked Kingdom by Leigh Bardugo. We've already done two of her books, so we're not really going to get into her bio. But she does have a trilogy, this duology, and then another duology um, that are all based in, like, the Grishaverse, which is this Grisha-filled world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all kind of related and have through characters through them. Um, but you can kind of jump in almost anywhere i think i i haven't read the second book in her other duology um so it, i actually don't think you could start with that one because it would probably give away way too much but anyway not the point we're reading chapters <laughs> one to eight of crooked kingdom today um and kind of like six of crows we start with somebody completely random's point of view um not completely random, but it does kind of feel like it, especially since the last book ended with like a Nege being taken. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck am I reading? <laughs> no, you're right. It totally comes out of left field. And like, I mm. totally forgot who this guy was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you were necessarily supposed to remember, but it's it's like the first book also did this. And then it was a real like 180 because you met the guy you were in his head, and then he's, like, basically left to die. And yeah. And like, oh, wow, okay. Um, so this one starts with Red Venko, and he was indentured to Councilman Hode. So in the beginning of Six of Crows, he was the one that was in the, like, Grisha workshop when, um, uh, I forget his name now, but the guy in the beginning of the first when he went in to go look for the Grisha Anya um, this guy was also there as a Grisha but I'm guessing that he's still indentured so he still owes money but like everybody that was there was told to basically wait um, by Anya I'm thinking her name is and basically they all were left to die because they were just paralyzed by the command and just standing there waiting so, I guess Redvenko still has an indenture to Councilman's Hode's, like, estate, I would assume. Right. Um, because I'm assuming that Councilman Hode died. I can't see how they could have saved him. But who knows? Maybe he did. Um, not the point. So, Redvenko's saving up money to pay off the indenture, and he's currently, like, taking jobs sailing. So, like, controlling the wind to help cat like get through storms or to like get their sales done quicker so they can make more money that kind of thing so he's going out on a sale today and he's a bit skittish because like a bunch of Grisha have apparently been going missing lately and he thinks that they've been taken by slavers to be sold so so 
Can I just, I just need to clarify something. Yeah. How, so, obviously in Ravka, the Grisha are, like, revered, brought mm-hmm. into the second, or the first, first army? Second. Second army. Um, and they're, like, trained, and, like, they're sort of, you know, uh, sought after for their powers. Yeah. Like, if you were, if you were poor and found out you were Grisha, you'd live a much better life and you'd have everything at your disposal type thing. Because that's kind of what they were right. saying. In the, yeah. So, uh, in the rest of the world, like, they're in Kerch right now. Mm-hmm. Do they, obviously they don't do the same thing, but like, no. is it? Just if you're Grisha, you're normal? Is it, like, are you no. sold into slavery? Like, like I'm just so, trying to get the context of where the Grisha fit in culturally in other parts of the world. So, Fjorda... Fjorda hates their guts and thinks they all need to die. And kills them. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure... Like, I don't know if okay. Ketterdam's the, like, example for everywhere, but, like, in Ketterdam, they're sold, and they have indentures. But, like, that's the same with... And the shoe um, also hate them. Really? Um, because they've been at war with Ravka for a while or something, so... They dislike them because they're usually well-trained and killing them, I assume. You know, <laughs> hate them on principle, essentially. Yeah, I think that's that's what I remember. Basically, um, I can't I can't think of anyone else right now. Okay, I mean yeah. that's allowed. Yeah, I think Novia Zim, but I don't remember how they feel about them. Basically, I think, but I think Ravka is like the like best place to be a Grisha. Um, but obviously, not obviously, I guess it depends if you read the, the trilogy Shadow of Bone, but there, there was a civil war between the Grisha, um, in that book. And that's kind of what Red Venko is saying. Um, he, He's, like, so close to being able to go back to Ravka. And he says, like, the young king is apparently handing out pardons easily to everybody that, like, fought on the losing side of the Civil War. Um, And he kind of thinks about, like, while he was in the Civil War, he, like, brutally murdered former Grisha that he was friends with, civilians, and even children. Um... Yeah, it doesn't sound great. And, like, not to get into too many spoilers for Shadow and Bone, so, like, maybe skip ahead 30 seconds, but the Civil War, like, he fought with the Darkling. um, And that was the losing side in the Civil War. So, like, it was very brutal. Um, But anyway, the King King Nikolai now needs soldiers, so he's basically pardoning all the Grisha and letting them all back in. Um... So, Rudvenko is hoping to go back and be a soldier again. So, he goes to wait in the harbor master's office um, because the boat isn't ready to leave. They're waiting for the signal from the Council of Tides. 
this one thing about this book there's so many things it is really hard yes. on a first read to wrap your head head around everything yes yeah so the council of tides are grisha who guard the harbor basically 24 7 nobody knows who they are like i guess i don't know how like kaz can't even figure out who they are um so I don't really understand how nobody's ever realized or figured it out. Um, but they can basically control the tides in Ketterdam and they determine who comes and goes. So basically you need to get there okay before you can leave or come into the harbor. But I guess that's part of it. Like, are they indentured to other people or are they autonomous? I think they're autonomous. Because then that's Grisha in control of a harbor when the when Ketterdam and Kirch are not supposedly very welcoming to Grisha. How do they get the power? How do they keep it? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't remember. Maybe they um, are indentured to somebody, but I, I can't really remember. I haven't read far enough ahead. I didn't look it up for today. Sorry. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just like... Uh, I'm also taking advantage of the fact that you've read this a million more times than me and yeah. <laughs> can clarify things for me that I have not yet. No, and yeah, that is the thing about, like I said, there's so much that happens and so many little things that are just mentioned and you're like, wait, what? And like, they're brought up earlier and then brought up again and you're like, yeah, I didn't pay enough attention to that earlier. And sometimes they're brought up like cross book. Yeah. That's like, true too. Like, like in this instance here, talking about the Civil War, you wouldn't know anything about that unless you've read, yeah, uh, Shadow and Bone. Yeah, and like right? King Nikolai is a character in the second Shadow and Bone book, is where we meet him, and the like, the other duology, he's one of the main characters of. Yeah. So yeah, there really is a lot of crossover. Um. So yeah, Redfenko is waiting, but he's just in like the harbor master's office, and he hears someone cry out by, like, outside near the boat, and the clerk kind of thinks he's being crazy, thinks it's just gulls. But shortly after that, the door explodes, and a shoe woman walks in, and the clerk fires at her, thinking that she's there for the payroll, and she falls back. But then she just gets back up and keeps coming, and she ends up knocking the clerk out. And Redvenko realizes she's there for him, and he fights back. Um, but then the entire wall behind him just disappears, and he's grabbed from behind and brought into the air. And he says, There's a shoe man holding him, and he has wings. And like, that's not a thing in this world. Like, people don't have wings, even if they do have what they call the small science, which is Grisha magic, but they don't use the word magic. So, like, this is a very odd thing to happen. Somebody flying. (laughs) Yes. Somebody to have wings. Yes. Um, So then we go to Wyland's point of view, which is good, because this is the shit we care about. (laughs) Not that I don't care about Ravenko, but... eh. I mean, I I am very curious about this rando with wings. Yeah. Well, they come back. They come back. Yay. Are they good or bad? I'm not telling you anything. Whoa. <laughs> um, 
So Wyland's point of view, and they're they're doing a job tonight, and he's acting as a server, and he's super nervous. He's just so funny. Yeah, I also think Wylan is useless at these sorts of jobs. Yeah, he's like, he's actually way better at explosives than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. And like science-y stuff, but he's just like, I'm reading it and I'm like, dude, you should know better <laughs> what yeah. you're doing. But I, I guess that's the point. So he's kind of thinking about it. They've been back in Ketterdam a week and he still looks like Kuei and he's still not really used to it, um, which has to obviously be really hard to look like a completely different person than you grew up looking like. Um, so his job tonight is to take orders and to listen to Smeet's conversation while he plays three-man Bramble. Uh, Kaz is currently dealing and he's not wearing his gloves. And he told them all beforehand that, like, Kaz said he can control any deck. So we know that he's basically cheating with the cards, making whoever he wants to win and lose. Which Wylan is so shocked by because Jesper is losing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he's just so innocent. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Um... So the whole thing is Kaz needs Smeet to stay at the table until after the like dealer shift change and basically until midnight and Anesha's life is on the line. So Vanek gave them seven days to bring Kuei to like trade for Anesh before he said he was going to start torturing her. Um, Nina is currently there looking hot as all hell and she's sitting on um, this meat person's lap and basically like feeling him up a bit and like flirting with him. Um, Which Matthias didn't love that part of the plan, but Kaz says that Smeet never cheats at cards or on his wife. So like he's not actually going to do anything with Nina, but he is being very like suggestive. He's being very handsy too. Like he's yeah. yeah. And like it's it's not he's not a great person. Like sure he doesn't cheat on his wife, but only just I, mean, I don't know, man. I think being handsy qualifies as cheating. Well, is yeah. he like hauling her up the stairs to a private room to like get it on? No. However, is that a requirement for cheating? <laughs> yeah. It's like anything past second base is cheating. <laughs> yes maybe he has maybe he he and his wife have an understanding who knows maybe um, yeah so he's basically mansplaining cards to Nina Ugh. and pointing out how bad Jesper is playing um, but then he tells her playing cards is nothing to his business because she's like oh you can keep all of this straight it's amazing and he's like it's nothing like my business <laughs> You're like, ugh. But he Uh, says one of his clerks didn't come back from holidays. So now he's shorthanded. So hearing this shocks Wylan and he spills champagne. And you're like, dude, you're so bad. I love you. You're cute. But you're so bad. mm -hmm. Um, Smeet gets mad and says, ugh, this, this is not great. 
And he says that's what comes of hiring foreigners. Because he's currently in Kuwait's books. Yeah. So not only is he basically cheating on his wife, but he's also racist and a piece of shit. So good man. Good man. I mean, are we surprised they're pulling a job on him? Yeah, no. Um, Wyland's kind of looking at Nina, and she he says she looks a little green. Apparently since, like, since she had the Jernaparem and, like, came down off of that high, she's lost her appetite completely. But she does finish her oysters and say, let's have some more, which is the signal. So Wylan is like ready to go. He goes and takes her tray. <laughs> um, when can he you imagine back, having to like slurp down oysters when you're like I couldn't even do it if I was perfectly healthy. I can't imagine doing it when I feel like vomiting. Yeah, the last time I had oysters, and I don't even eat seafood, but I had them, um, and I ate a shit ton. I don't know why. It was in Australia. Like I don't. I don't know why I did it, but I got violently ill afterwards. <laughs> so I, I don't think I could do this. Um, yeah. So when Wylan comes back from the kitchen with another tray, uh, the dealers are changing and Smeet is getting ready to leave. Uh, he basically comments that both he and Jesper are done because Jesper has no money left. Um, but, like, that's exactly what they don't want. They want him to stay at this table so that they have eyes on him, so that they know that they have time. Yeah. For their job. So, Jesper asks how much for his guns, and Smeet is interested. He's been eyeing Jesper's guns all night, so he says that he'll front him the money, and they haggle on it and end up on agreeing on 6,000 Krug. Um, and then <laughs> Wylan yells no. You're like, Wylan, what are you doing, <laughs> baby? Please go home. <laughs> like, he's paying way too much attention to what is happening. Yeah. Like, I know he's supposed to listen, but, like, he can't, you can't cut in when, like, the adults are talking, basically. <laughs> I'm like, you can't do that. Um, and, like, Smeet is pissed. He's like, the help isn't supposed to speak. Like, you don't have any, which... But it's also, like, you're not supposed to have any investment in this random person playing. Like, anyway. So he basically runs into the pantry after Kaz, and he tells him that he's worried about Jesper's guns, basically, because he knows how much Jesper loves them. I understand where this is coming from, but Kaz knew exactly that this was going to happen. And he's like, oh, that's a good amount. He'll be able to play all night. I'm not worried about him having to, yeah. like, leave now. So, like, he knew this was going to happen all along. Um, and Wylan, it finally kicks, clicks with Wylan that, like, Kaz had planned this. And Kaz says he controls the game or he doesn't play. Which is, like, 100% Kaz's motto. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I kind of love. Um... Wyland kind of thinks to himself again, like, why is he even here? Because, like, he's so out of his depth, and it's he's not really this type of person to be pulling yeah. jobs and 
all of that. Um, but then he thinks of Inej and like, she's saved his life multiple times. And like, even if he were to leave, he'd want her safe first. He also needs the money. And then he thinks that there might also be a tall, lanky reason that he stays too. So that's cute. So Kaz and Wylan leave and they meet up with Matthias, who says that the lights upstairs went off an hour ago. So they're basically in front of Smeet's house. And um, I guess Matthias is just the watch guy here. So they break into the front door and they're greeted by giant dogs. So Nina stole Smeet's whistle and hid it in an oyster shell. Um, and Wyland then took that to the kitchen and then pocketed the whistle. So now Kaz has it and he's using it to call them off. So the dogs were the only thing that they couldn't get around. So they did need that whistle. And they also kidnapped and killed the clerk to figure out the commands for the whistle. So that's interesting. I, um, when I started reading this, the only thing I could think of was, shit, how are they going to get the whistle back on his person? Yeah. Because, like, how did Nina explain her absence? Nina gone? She went with them, didn't she? No, 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 no. Oh, she stays with Speed. Oh, okay. Never mind that. Yeah. But even still, I'm like, how are they going to get it back on his person? Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's like all thought out. It's wild. Um, so yeah, they get in the house, they settle the dogs down. His office is on the second door, second door, the second floor. His office is on the second floor, and he just has it left unlocked because he's not worried about anyone getting past the dogs. Um, and Kaz just makes a note that, like, in houses like this, the families generally sleep on the third floor. Or, I think Mylan thought it or something. Yeah. But, just interesting. Um, we then figure out who Smeet is. He's Vanek's property manager and lawyer. So... They're trying to save Inej, so they are looking to find out if there's any other properties that Van Eck owns that, like, aren't, like, out there under his name. So if there's any under Wyland's name, or under his new wife's name, or anybody else, because, like, they, they need to know all of his properties so they can hopefully find Inej. Um... Kaz then tells Wyland that there are apparently two places under his name. One's a printing press, which is a very obvious dig at him not being able to read. Mm -hmm. And the other is uh, a private island, Ely Comedy, something like that. I don't know how it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, it just has an abandoned amusement park on it. And Wyland just thinks, like, a useless place for a useless son. And he's just, like, so hard on himself. <laughs> um, but it's because his father is really... Also very shit. hard on him, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wyland also just feels super useless here because he knows, like, if he could read, he could help Kaz. But Kaz just tells him, like, he knew exactly how long this was going to take and... 
like Wylan is there to like help him weed out the places that while like if he says the name of something and Wylan knows what it is, it's likely not what they're looking for. Yeah. Um so then Kaz asks what Wylan's mother's maiden name is, and Kaz looks under that and asks Wylan, like, when she died. He said he was eight. And he also says he wasn't allowed to go to the funeral, and he doesn't even know where she's buried. Ugh. Which is awful. Like, why? He was eight. Ugh, I can't. Um, Wylan then asks Kaz why they say no mourners, no funerals, instead of something like good luck. (laughs) And Kaz says that they like to keep their expectations low. (laughs) <laughs> which is just so sad but also funny yeah um kaz then like snaps the ledger shut and he like sets the room back up and he says like basically i found her type thing um he then tells wyland that his father has been paying to the church of saint hilda for eight years so his mother is likely buried there and Wylan is kind of shocked because Kaz doesn't normally give out information for free. So this is definitely interesting. Like he normally keeps things for when he like needs them or can use them. So this will probably come back. <laughs> um, they go to leave the room and there's a little girl leaning on one of the dogs outside of the office. And Wylan is kind of afraid for the kid because he doesn't know what Kaz is going to do. Because obviously they were hoping not to see anybody. Um, And it makes him think back to the clerk that we mentioned earlier. Apparently Kaz hung him upside down from a lighthouse, like by his feet, until he told them the commands. And then Kaz was going to like bring him back up and let him go when he started offering other things. And he said... That he has something on the Zimini girl in the menagerie. So apparently she is getting gifts from suitors and she's keeping them, which she's not supposed to do. So this guy found it out and is holding it over her. And now she's seeing him for free to keep him from telling. And yeah. And he's saying that they could go see her for free too, which is just... So, uh, he's using her like his own personal, like, prostitute. Like, yeah, free prostitute. And he's pimping her out to his friends for free. Yeah. So. We also get that, like, apparently the last girl that did this, like, kept gifts. Tanta Helene beat to death in the parlor. So just, like, in front of the other girls, basically. So it's, uh, like... This secret could kill this girl. Yeah. Um, that that kind of gets Kaz, and he he's not the type to go touch anybody's skin anyway. So that was really the wrong way to try to get him on your side. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's kind of just pissed that this guy is holding that over her he really does like he's not like a hero i wouldn't say but he does he does have like a a sense of what he thinks is right and wrong and he's very yeah 
If you cross that line, you deserve to die. Yeah. Yeah. So there are certain things. And, like, obviously, he kills people all the time. So, like, he's not a great person. But he kind of is like, if they deserve it, then it's fine. It's He has an interesting set of morals. Yeah. I'll say. Um, the guy is being, like, Kaz starts to drop him again. And the clerk finally realized, like, oh, shit, I said the wrong thing. And he starts saying he's a good man, but Kaz just says there are no good men here. And then, I guess, drops him is kind of what we're left to think. But also, I find when people are like, oh, I'm a good guy, like, usually they're covering up that they're not actually a good person. Yeah. Like, you just told a story that highlighted you being an asshole. So I'm going to go ahead and say you're not. Yeah. Um, So back to the present. Kaz asks the girl if this is her favorite dog, and she says no, and she lists two others that she prefers before this one. Uh, He then calls her Hannah, and she's surprised that he knows her name, but he says that he knows all little kids' names. He says he lives under the beds and in the backs of closets of kids, and she says he doesn't look like a monster, and he says the really bad monsters never look like them. Which I just, I love that line. Yeah. I, um, I actually, like, I just keep thinking of my own children with this. And, oh my god, they would never sleep again. Yeah. Like, their parents would have to realize that something happened. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know, I don't know. (laughs) Nothing comes from it, I don't think. Yeah. Kaz tells her that he won't eat her tonight if she does two things. Go to bed and also never tell anyone they were here. And if she does tell anyone that she saw like saw him, because I think Wyland's hiding, he'll slit her mother's throat and then her father's. Then he'll cut out the hearts of all the dogs and save her favorite dog for last so she knows it's all her fault. Yay. Yeah. Not sure. Great. No, it's a surefire way to give a kid nightmares. Yeah. So Wylan is shocked that Kaz said it, kind of like everybody is. But he basically says it was that or make it look like she fell down the stairs. <laughs> and basically kill her. Yeah. So like I guess this is better, but it's also lifelong trauma, I'm sure. So they leave the house, they lock it up, and they hear Matthias make a bird call, and Kaz says, right on time. And he, like, messes up his hair, and then they turn a corner, and he slams right into Sneet. And we jump over to Matthias's point of view, and he's watching as Kaz, like, plays his part well. And then he tells Sneet he dropped his wallet, and Sneet, like, picks it up, and he gives has five crew for being an honest man about his wallet um and then they go stand with matthias basically and they watch smeet like dig for his whistle and matthias kind of thinks he has no idea when kaz got the whistle back on smeet during that interaction mm-hmm. but like he watched the whole thing and he didn't see him he's like so good at sleight of hand that uh, matthias didn't notice it's one of those things that, like, you look at and you're like, how? Yeah. Like, I've seen I've seen clips of, like, dudes doing it on the street. 
like stealing people's mm-hmm. watches and like all that and I'm just in awe. I'm so perplexed. <laughs> yeah. And Matthias even says like he wants to go yell at Smeet to come back out so that he can show like Kaz could show him how he did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you can't do that. Um so they the three of them, yeah, there's three of them. The three of them get into a rowboat now and they go back to Black Vale Island, which is their safe ground. It's also a cemetery and it's rumored to be haunted, so people don't really go there. It's a great hiding spot. Yeah. Islands seem iffy for hiding spots though. I'm like that that could be an issue. Yeah. You would have to hide your rowboat. Yeah. And I think they do something about a tree or something anyway don't know so jesper and nina are already there and (laughs) matthias just gawks at her because she's wearing a scandalous dress and looks amazing but he can also tell that she's exhausted um jesper is complaining because he lost his guns but they're in the safe of the club because smeet didn't want to walk home with them um Quaid pokes his head out of a tomb and Kaz just yells at him to get back inside. <laughs> and then they all go in, basically, to the tomb. And Nina tells them all that they saw two shoe warships in the harbor. And apparently there are also Fjordans with a bunch of Juskela. And they're, like, all presumably there because of the Jurda Perem and because they likely have an interest in way but nobody really knows like where obviously where he is specifically but not everybody knows that he's with Kaz either well um yeah but we get a bit more of that in a little bit uh Kaz says he has a good idea of where she is and they'll strike at midnight tomorrow and then he asks for progress on the weevil um I don't think weevils are real. Yeah, they are. They are? No. I don't know what a weevil is. It's a bug. What? It is, yes. Um, anyway, so he asks for, yeah, an update on the weevil. And they say that they're pests that get into grain stores and basically, like, ruin them. So Wyland basically hauls out a vial and says it's a chemical weevil. And he wants to get Kuwait's help on it. But Quay doesn't want to. He's like, he's busy looking through his father's journals and trying to figure some stuff out. Yeah. Um, but Kaz threatens him. Uh, because apparently once Inej is back, they're going to use the Weevil on Ben X silos. Which is interesting. It's genius. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. It's so hard because I know what happens, but I don't want to give you any spoilers either. <laughs> Uh, well or anyone else that might be reading along that's not too many spoilers um do you know what the only thing that bothers me about this whole section is hmm. i find kaz even less likable than normal like that's fine what yeah but i think i think that's on purpose oh okay He's just, he's so surly, he's threatening everybody, mm-hmm. like, he's just, he's being a bit of a dick. Yeah, he is. Um, and, like, so, I don't know how to get into too much of it, but it kind of comes up 
we get his point of view next week. I already I already read ahead a bit of your part next week. And he kind of says some of like why why he's right. worse. <laughs> right. But I it's, just it's also, it's also cuz he's in love with Inej. Yeah. Like that's the main reason I was thinking to be honest is yeah. that he he misses Inej. Yeah. But being absolutely awful. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, he even says it himself in his okay. head. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so this is another another instance of that, kind of, because Nina is annoyed that all Kaz thinks about is money, but he tells her, like, money is everything else, though. Money is security and safety. It's the lean on Jesper's dad's firm. It's a future for Nina and Matthias. It's a future for like all of them. Like we know Inej had a plan to get a slaver ship. Like yeah. they all need money to get out of their bad situations. Yes. Um Wylan asks Jesper why Kaz won't just say he wants Inej back. <laughs> and this this part was kind of cute. Matthias is like watching Jesper and Wyland's conversation and Jesper like strokes Wyland's arm and Wyland gets all like blushy and stumbles over his words and Matthias just thinks that if they could just send Nina and Jesper out to flirt with everybody <laughs> like they would get stuff done so much quicker because they're yes. both like huge flirts. Yeah. It's cute. Uh, Jesper tells them the smart thing for Kaz to do would be to forget about Inej, auction off Kauai, and like everybody kind of thinks about it, and they're not sure that Kaz wouldn't actually do that. But like we were in his head last book, so we do know that his feelings for Inej are stronger than that. So I I don't think he would do that. But you know. no. But yeah, he's he's very, like, very calculated. I think if it was anybody else, that's what he would do. Oh, for sure. Um, Nina asks him about the plan then, and Kaz says that Vanek promised them 30 million Krug, so they'll take that plus 1 million for interest, and just because they can. But Wyland says, like, his father doesn't have 30 million Krug. Um, and... Kaz just answers they're going to use the market to take Van X money and his reputation so no one will ever do business with him again. Which is bold. What are they going to do? Yay! <laughs> yeah. Take him for all he's worth. Although I keep having to remind myself that this is not Pekka Rollins. Yeah, it is right? confusing. Pekka Rollins is the one that Kaz really has the, apart from this guy obviously, but like Pekka Rollins really has He's got a grudge. Yeah. Like a long-term one. Like Pekka Rollins essentially caused his brother to die. Yeah. So like, I'm just, I'm a bit, I'm a bit surprised. Like, I just have to keep reminding myself that this big, like, revenge thing is not about Pekka Rollins. Yeah. And it is, like... The reason he wants the money is so that he can get his revenge, basically. Like, that is his end goal. Yeah. Everyone has their thing. Like, he just listed everyone else's, but his end goal is just to to 
get Pekka Rollins. So it's like, it's interesting, but it is confusing in like the beginning of this book for sure. But the way that it all twines together in this book is awesome. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So then they start to discuss what to do with Kuei and Nina thinks that he should go to Ravka and he agrees that he wants to go there because he wants to train and he wants to try to make a cure for Jodaparim and he thinks that some of the fabricators there could help him with that. Right. Um, Nina kind of assumes that that was Kaz's plan all along because he, in the end of the first book, sent a letter to Ravka and Nina thought that that was like asking them to take Kuei, but Cash just says it was a decoy so that Pekka would be like looking into who they know in Ravka. Um, cause they don't have anyone there. And Matthias is kind of worried about giving one nation like Kuei and them having the potential power to make Jurdaparim if they have like the journals and stuff, but everyone else kind of discusses it that like, now that people know it's possible and they know it's made of Jurda, then yeah. it, it's likely going to get replicated anyway at some point. Like, yeah. it, it'll be made again. Um, Kaz then asks Nina to translate for him. And this is another moment when he's a bit much, you're like, to Kuei. Yeah. Um, but he tells Kuei basically, like, Vanek assumes that he's going to go to Ravka so like all ships going that way are being searched and no one can tailor him obviously unless Nina takes Perem again and like she's obviously not going to do that and if he doesn't want to go back to Fyrda his choices are to either go to Noviazim or the southern colonies um Kaz then tells him that his sole goal is to keep him away from Vanek, and he's not against using a bullet to do that. <laughs> You're like, my God. Um, yeah. I think Nina even says that she's not gonna not gonna like translate that, but then he says, like, they'll take him to the southern colonies, and from there he can do whatever he wants. Like if he wants to go to Ravk after that, he can figure it out. Yeah. Um, then Kaz is like, they need to go over the plan for tomorrow night. The only advantage they have is surprise, so they need to use it to their best ability. Um, because obviously they need to get a niche. Um, Roddy and Speck show up then, and I think they were both on the boat on the trip to and from the ice court, but they were obviously not part of the heist itself. Correct. Uh, Without Inej around, obviously it's hard to get information. Um, but Roddy and Speck are kind of like playing Inej's role while she is captured. So they say that the Shu have set up their embassy. Um, here Haskell, who is the head of the dregs, basically. He's like... Yeah, the Kaz figurehead. Worked, yeah, Kaz worked for him, but Kaz did all the work. Um, he's pretty antsy now because Kaz isn't around to run everything so he things are falling apart Um, they also tell them all about the attack that we saw in chapter one Um, and they say that 
like this group isn't connected to the ice court job yet, which is interesting because like Pekka Rollins obviously knows that they have Kuei, um, but he hasn't told people yet. So thank God for small miracles. Yeah. Jasper makes a, no, Jasper, sorry, makes a joke about literally everybody being after them. But we're still in Matthias's point of view, and he kind of wonders if they actually realize how bad it is, because, like, there are actual nations after them. It's not just, like, rival gangs or anything. Like, this is yeah. a big deal. Um, they then tell them all that Matthias is dead. He was apparently shanked in the infirmary. And in the first book, basically, they left a guy named Muzzin in... Matthias's place when they um jail jailbreaked him. <laughs> jailbreaked Jailbreaked him? Yeah. Jailbroken? Yeah, that didn't work either in my brain, so they... I I didn't I'm like I to be fair, I I didn't read through this section really detailed. I thought he just died of sickness. Oh. Okay. He so in the first book he was really sick. Yeah, they, they had to made make him, him look sick. Sick, yeah. Yeah, so that he'd be in the infirmary. And then Matthias left. But then now, I guess fake Matthias is still in the infirmary. But they kind of assume that Fjorda went and are the ones that killed him. Right. And that Fjorda thinks that they killed actual Matthias, not just someone pretending to be him. Um, Matthias obviously feels guilty. Um, that somebody died in his place, and he's also like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but then we get one more piece of information. Somebody is looking for Jesper, and Kaz kind of assumes it's a creditor, but the stranger claims that he's Jesper's father. <gasps> bum, bum, bum! Wild. Um... So we jump over to Inez's point of view, and she's currently wiggling through a tiny vent. <laughs> so she woke up, I guess, after the whole battle, blindfolded and bound in a tiny room, and she, like, gets her blindfold off a bit, and then she, like, goes around the room to try to figure out what is there. She can't get her hand, the like, ropes off of her. Um, but she does find a vent there, the one that she's currently in, but she's thinking back now to before. So she knows all she needs to do is get out of the ropes that are binding her and she can leave through the vent and hopefully get somewhere else. Yeah. Like it's a really tiny vent. Like she said that nobody else would be able to get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only time she actually sees the room is when she's eating and then a man named Bajin, who is Van X new wife's music teacher. <laughs> just just <laughs> not, an interesting. Not, not convoluted right? at all. <laughs> uh, he comes in and talks to her every meal. And he's like not that much older than her. And he's just like a nice Suli boy. And she's kind of like, it's, it's weird that Van Eck is letting this attractive young man around his wife who is half his age um but anyway so he came in earlier this day 
and she was so woozy because she's only eating enough to keep her strength up um, that she knocked over her ceramic plate and mug and they like fall to the ground and smash and then she fell to her knees because she was just so woozy. Mm. (laughs) She's Um, so weak from only eating a few mouthfuls of food. Yeah. And like she actually is but like this is not this is not her style. She's but also, being a bit dramatic. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. But it's also like she is trying to lose weight to fit through this vent because she's not even sure she can do it. It's so tiny. Yeah. Um, Bajan tells her that Vanek says they will have to force feed her if she isn't going to eat. And she tells him to try because he'll have trouble teaching pianos with his fingers missing. <laughs> Love like, it. Fair. I mean, like, what's yeah? Obviously, she'd bite his hand if he tried to. Because they're not giving her any cutlery. She's literally eating oatmeal with her hand. It's it's Gross. it's something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So she does what she normally does. She eats a few handfuls and then she stops. And Bajan is telling her that she should really start answering Vanek's questions. And that kind of makes her think of the crows of their little found family. And she knows Kaz will likely ransom Gwei for money to set himself up for his revenge against Pekka Rollins for killing his brother. Like, she's like, she doesn't have a whole lot of hope for him coming to save her. She also thinks, like, she told him that as soon as she got money, she was leaving. So there's really no reason for him to save her. She does know that, like, Nina would never leave her here to die, and Matthias would be on her side, too, because he's a good person. But, like, Jesper needs money really badly, too, so she doesn't, like, she doesn't think he would actively harm her, but he might not be able to, like, risk doing something to save her if it'll interfere with him getting money. Yeah. Um... Bajan is kind of lingering tonight, so she kind of thinks something must be happening. He tells her that Vanek could get her to her family, and he could pay off her indenture. But that kind of makes Inej more worried that Vanek knows where her parents are, as opposed to, like, actually thinking that she would do it. Um, She does, like, give herself a minute to kind of think of it, and she debates it. But she knows better than to trust Vanek. Obviously, he already, like, went back on a deal. Yeah. Um, And she also has a mission for her future. Like, she wants to get a ship to go after slavers. So she's she's not going to give up on that future. As soon as Bajan leaves, Inej takes out a piece of the plate that she hid when when she fell over, and she starts to cut the ropes binding her with it. She climbs into the vent, and it's really, really tight, but she needs to get out tonight. So she follows it to a dark room, and then she tries to swing a vent open in this dark room, but it just isn't attached anymore, so it falls to the floor. Um, And then she basically jumps out of the vent and does a roll so that she doesn't end up hurting herself. She's, she's very, she used to be an acrobat. So she's She's very very nimble. Yes. So she literally falls to like, I'm assuming it's a very high ceiling really. 
but she's fine. Um, I just, I don't understand why she didn't look before jumping out the vent. Like, pop her head down. She did. It's dark. Oh. The room is completely dark. It's so, it's so dumb and dramatic. You're like, why? Yeah, like, why couldn't she have then found a different room? Like, Instead of going down in the dark one? Yeah. Uh, well, nobody made a noise when the vent fell down, so you'd think I someone guess. would come running if anyone That's was true. around. Mm. So, yeah. You wouldn't expect people to be standing around in the dark like idiots. No. <laughs> but, alas. <laughs> and I just, all I can imagine is her needing, like, uh, well, not her, but um, Van Eck setting up the sting in different rooms wherever they are. <laughs> so, like, yeah. if she came out of a different one, he could be like, surprise! Yeah. <laughs> so dumb, but he probably did. <laughs> it's like, okay, guys, we're going to be as dramatic as possible. Basically. <laughs> uh... So yeah, she's on the floor now and she kind of like makes it to the perimeter because she's trying to find a door out. Um, She passes by seats that are identical and she thinks that she must be in a theater. Um, When she makes it to a door though, and she turns it and it's locked, the lights come on. (laughs) And Van Eck and a bunch of guards are there. And Van Eck says, bring her to me. And so she jumps on the back of a seat and she like runs over the seats and gets on the stage and grabs a stage rope and starts to climb that. Um, but so then somebody smart. Yeah. And she's like, she's basically like, she'll stay up in the rafters and then find a way out on the roof. And you're like, yeah, they probably wouldn't be able to get up there. Yes. But somebody is up at the top of the rope and ends up cutting it down and she just like falls flat, which is yeah. not great. Um, Vanek tells her she isn't getting out um, like without his or Brecker's help somehow. And like he hasn't heard anything from Brecker yet, so it's likely that she's going to need to have his help to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's basically asking where Kaz is because he wants Kuwait. So Inej is just like he would never go somewhere that she could lead them to. But Vanek doesn't believe it. Which is just like, I, I think she's right. Like, Kaz would never go somewhere that she would then be able to tell them. Because then, like, if they've started torturing her, she would tell them. So, like, they wouldn't hide somewhere like that. Yeah, but I I mean, she obviously knows more than she says. Oh, because she like, doesn't even say anything. <laughs> yeah, like she doesn't yeah. know nothing. She has yeah. enough. She but... could probably make some good guesses, I would mm-hmm. think. Um, but yeah, like she obviously doesn't know exactly where he is. Um, Bajin begs her again to like tell him something, but she just completely disregards him. Um, <laughs> then Vanek says, put her on the table. And then tells a guard that he doesn't want this to take long. And she's actually, like, super strong in this moment. And tells him to, like, go on. But Vanek kind of realizes that, like, torture isn't isn't going to break her. 
he says, break her legs with a mallet so it isn't a clean break. And she knows that if they were to do that, she'd basically be fucked. Yeah. Um, and she actually gets afraid at that moment. And she tells Vanek that Kaz will never trade for her if she's broken and if she's of no use to him. And, like, she 100% believes that. And it is so sad. This is a very tense scene, though. He is literally about to, like, shatter her legs. Yeah, he ends up, like, moving to the side. Because he's, like, swinging it down, and Vanek is like, oh, wait, stop. And he, like, moves yeah. it to the side and slams it into something else. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's exactly what's, what happens. And Vanek tells her that tomorrow night might not go as well as this night did. And then, like, they blindfold her again, and basically bring her back to her cell where she lies down and is like so fucked up about this um she starts to think like she's gonna kill Vanek and like she's not usually a violent person she doesn't like killing people if she has a choice but she, like she doesn't even feel bad about killing Vanek like the thought of killing Vanek um Bajin kind of tries to tell her he's sorry and he didn't know that they were going to torture her. But she then, like... <laughs> I swear, I didn't know. It wasn't yeah. me. She basically says something to him in Suli that is, like, the worst thing that you can say to another Suli person. It's basically, like, you abandoned me. Now I hope, like, the gods or something abandon you. I don't yeah, it's the word gods, but it's 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 real. It's bad. essentially like it's it's like excising them from the clan of Zulu people. Like yeah. you are, like almost like banishment. But she's the only one that knows it. Yeah, and like she she told him earlier too that like maybe he isn't the one that is a monster because he's not there with the hammer and shit but like he's standing by so he's no better yeah so it's it's interesting um yeah so he's the one that puts her blindfold on and then she she's kind of lying there and she has so little hope and she says she kind of feels like she did when she was in the menagerie when Kaz did end up rescuing her and she thought that he would again but now she's not so sure he will and that's, that's where we leave her. So sad. Okay, so moving on to uh, Jesper's uh, point of view. So they are on their way to meet up with this mysterious person that claims to be Jesper's father. Um, and I guess he's explaining to the reader slash thinking in his head that whenever the group leaves their little, like, island cemetery hideout thing, they wear these costumes from the comedy Brute. So they're, like, masks, capes, and veils uh, that tourists and elites wear in the barrel to hide their identities. Because I guess if you go to the barrel, you're doing some shady stuff, mm -hmm. like, gambling or partying or drugs or prostitutes and I guess you don't want 
people to know who you are. Yeah. They um, <laughs> so they used these in the first book too when they went to the yes yeah, and I think Inej explained them or Kaz somebody explained them. Like, as they were walking down the yeah. street, they were seeing all these people in, in the same costumes because that's what they were doing. So, I guess they're doing it themselves again this time to blend in, I guess. However, as soon as they get outside the barrel, because the barrel is not the only thing in the town. Like, the whole town, Ketterdam, is not just this seedy like this seedy outcropping of of you know everything like there are other things in this town so they would look silly in these costumes if they wore them outside the barrel so as soon as they get outside the barrel they take them off um him and and wyland so they were going together to meet his father um he just cute <laughs> i know it's adorable, and like he actually thinks to himself, because um, and I, I'm gonna get get to it later, but he thinks to himself how glad he is that Wyland came with him, mm-hmm. and how like he wanted him to be there. Uh, but he thinks too that like he misses his guns, like I guess the weight of them, like they give him comfort and security, and now he doesn't have them. Yeah. And he feels like you know he knows like it was his own idea to bet them. He's still annoyed that Kaz is so, like, I'm going to say laissez-faire about getting them back. Like, he's just so like, yeah, we'll get them yeah. back. Like, he just, he's relaxed about it, whereas Jesper is more like, I need my guns, get them back. They're security You blanket, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I guess he feels like he bet them to sort of make up for the fact that he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. when Inez got captured. I, and again, it's been a while since I've read the book, so I don't really remember. It's not when she got captured. It's when they first went to the docks and they, like, Inez got hurt before they went to the oh, ice court. right. It's because he, like, it was his fault that she got hurt and Kaz is still holding it against him. That's ages ago. <laughs> it's like less than a month or something. <laughs> Kaz needs to get over that shit. <laughs> She's fine. Well, like, she's not <laughs> fine, but, like, she's fine from that. Yeah. I think he needs to get over that But shit. it is shitty that he, like, she got fucked over because he has gambling debts that he was like, don't worry, I'm going to come into a lot of money soon. And then he told them, like, where he was going to, like, that he was leaving. Like, it is shitty that that happened and that it was his fault. Yes, 100%. I'm not saying it's not shitty. I'm just saying, like, everything is okay now. They have bigger things to worry about. I feel like they're friends. Like, just forgive him. But the issue isn't, it's it's that Kaz just doesn't trust him anymore. Because he's afraid that he'll do something again. And, like, they're not friends. They're family. <laughs> I know, Kaz is just being a big poopy head. He just hates everyone right now. He does hate everyone right now. I hope he chills the fuck out when they get Inej back. Doubt it. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
So Kaz and Matthias, speaking of Kaz, uh, are actually following them because they were worried that this whole thing was a trap. So they agreed to go meet his father, but they're meeting him at the university since Jesper's supposed to be a student yeah. there anyways. And it's like a decently neutral location. Like in the barrel, people own like, you know, it's like seedy parts of town when like don't go to that side that gang owns that location like it's like Mm. that but in the barrel but here at the university like none of the gangs have ownership so they feel like it's neutral enough um jesper also thinks about how his life has changed in the past couple of years um because really he was going to school and him and his friends had gone out for some fun and had gone to the barrel for a good time and they went to a gambling parlor and and he played his first game which like changed his life like it only took one game for him to get hooked um him and wyland chat a little bit at this point um i guess People, and like, valid point, um, people, like, look down on the barrel as it being, like, really seedy and dirty and, like, nobody wants to be associated with the barrel, but, like, they have to realize the fact of the matter is that it rakes in a pile of money and those businesses do pay taxes to the city. So, like, yeah, it's dirty and seedy, but it's actually part of why Ketterdam is such a not that I know from firsthand experience, but like why the city thrives in the way yeah. it does and why they have so many elite and why like it is a decently rich town because you have these seedy places that are pay- paying taxes. So like Wyland's dad, Van Eck, like he thinks that all these people are that have businesses in the barrel he thinks that they are like sponging off the backs of hardworking people because they don't have legitimate businesses. But then Wyland's like, they're still paying their taxes. So like, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah, Jesper then like tells Wyland like, you know, you didn't have to come with me, but like secretly he's like, please stay with me. Please <laughs> yeah. stay with me, please. He really does not want him to leave. And like, I can't, I can see why, because can you imagine, like, literally not seeing your father in a couple of years, knowing that his home is about to be taken from him because you have a gambling problem, and then having to run into him? It's like, it's not, it's not a meeting I would want to have. No. Him at all. Absolutely not. So, yes, I would be like, please come yeah. with me. Um, but anyway, so uh, he wished that Inej was there because he actually thinks that Inej would, like, be the one person to understand why he didn't want to meet up with mm-hmm. his father. And, like, I, I don't really understand why. Like, apart from Inej just being an understanding person, I don't really see the comparison because she was pulled away from her family like i i don't know i think if she if she had the chance to go back to her family apart from van eck offering it to her 
Like, I think she would absolutely be like, yes. She is, and I don't know if, like, we've gotten this, but she is wary of seeing them again because she feels so changed and the things that she's done are so against the character that she used to have. She's almost afraid to see her parents again, too. So I kind of feel like they must have, like, talked about this before. Because, like, she she Maybe. does feel the same way, so. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so he, he had wanted Kaz. So he wanted Kaz to, like, offer to go with him. But, again, like we just said, Kaz is still pissed about the ambush at the beginning of the ice court mm-hmm. job. So... He didn't offer, like, he can tell that Kaz is still pissed about it, so he didn't make the offer to go. So, I it feels kind of bad, actually, because it means that Wyland is, like, third yeah, choice. that's true. <laughs> but, like, this this does have, this does, like, we get some resolution here in this book, FYI. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they decide to meet in a courtyard that is actually in the middle of four different libraries, which is amazing. Like, I want this place so bad. Why can't this be my university experience? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he notices that his dad was wearing, like, his best suit. I love his dad. <laughs> I know. And he's got, like, red hair and freckles, like, very actually stereotypically Irish, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so, but here's the thing. I have a really hard time now differentiating book Jesper from from TV show Jesper. So, like, for me, it's actually really weird to hear that his dad is, like, really fair skin, freckles, red hair, blah, blah, blah. Knowing that the the actor that plays Jesper in the show is someone of of color, yeah. and it's just really like wonky in my brain. Yeah, I can get that. Yeah, but I love TV shows. Yeah, Jesper. I do too. And they did an amazing job. One hundred percent agree. But it's just funny because, like, obviously, I read this part of the book too, but I didn't even like. I didn't really. It didn't stick in my head what his father looks like. So yeah. I am also picturing him as the actor, but I'm like, his father is just a lanky version of him. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, so they hug, like he finds his dad in the courtyard and they hug. And his dad tells him that he thought that he was dead. He thought Jesper was dead. Since the university told him he wasn't a student there anymore and he hadn't heard from him. So he was like, oh my god, my son is dead. So he came. Um, and Wyland suggests, like, how about we go for lunch and and talk and whatever. I'm secretly thinking in my head, how are they paying for lunch? <laughs> is that bad? That is the first thought in my I, brain. How are they going to pay I for guess lunch? I guess his dad's going to pay for lunch. Because nobody gives Jesper money. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Jesper's dad is sort of like, yeah, okay. But then he says, like, what's going on? Because the loan for the for the farm 
is coming due soon. So I guess he took out a loan on his farm and it's it think he has to have it paid back soon. Um and then out of nowhere a shot rings out and hits near their feet. So they're being shot at. And Jesper sort of like immediately like springs into action, gets his dad into hiding. And <laughs> it's hilarious. Because his dad honestly, like, makes a comment to make it seem like he thinks that getting shot at in this city is just power for the course. <laughs> like, oh, this city. Yeah. Like, of course we're getting shot at. It's like, he doesn't think that it's because of Jesper no, at all. he's so sweet. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, But Jesper then has to say, like, no, dad, they're actually shooting at me. <laughs> But then he has to say, like, I guess his dad was like, who? And he was like, I'm not really sure because there's like several different groups of people after me at the moment. So I don't really know which group is shooting at me. Like, can you imagine telling your dad you're a criminal? Like, this is the way he finds out? I cannot. It's so funny. Like, funniest scene where you're still getting shot at and could potentially die. (laughs) It's true. Um, so, like, they're pinned down. I imagine they're, like, behind a little fountain mm-hmm. or something. Um, <laughs> and Jesper, really, he can't see, he can't tell how many there are. They're, like, on a roof and the sun is hiding them. Um, so he only has one pistol on him and it's not his pistol. Like, it's not one of his guns. So, obviously, he's not as confident in shooting it. Um, he really doesn't think they can get to the exit. Um, but Wylan knows of another way out, uh, off of, uh, they're calling it the reading room. So Jesper tells Wylan to get his dad there and tells his dad, like, just trust me and, like, just go, make a run for it. Um, so Jesper, like, is taking cover behind, oh, behind a fountain. (laughs) And he ends up shooting up in the direction of the bullets. Like, he's just trying to essentially bide time for his dad and Wylan to make it to the reading room and to make it to cover. Uh, but then Jesper just gets shot in the shoulder. Yeah. Which is fun. NBD. Yeah. And, but but it's funny, though, because he does treat it like it's no big deal. He's like, yeah, I was shot in the shoulder. It's fine. Yeah. He was like, oh, it stings. He's like, oh, it's so painful, but I can use my hand, so who cares? (laughs) Yeah. Like, he's just like, oh, this has happened before. Like, it's just funny. He's so nonchalant about the fact that he was shot in the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, So Wylan, like, yells at him and throws something to him. Or, not to him. He sort of says, Jasper! And he throws something in the air and yells at him to shoot it and get in the fountain. <laughs> so he does, like, very instinctually, because it's Jesper, he, like, shoots it, gets in the fountain. So, like, it's this, like, crazy acid bomb, and it covers the shooters. So, like, way to go, Wylan. Yeah, I'm in clutch. Like, genius. Well, like, this is what he should be doing, yeah. right? He shouldn't, he shouldn't be pretending, like, no one should get him enacting. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's not going to be in the next play. That's for sure. No, no. Um, 
Anyway, so Jesper, like, hops out of the fountain and runs into the reading room with Wylan and his dad. So this scholar is trying to keep them out, but Jesper points a gun at him, and he's like, okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> they run into the rare books room, and they pass a girl named Madeline or Madeline or whatever. And she actually, another funny part, she recognizes Jesper and reminds him that he's supposed to take her out for breakfast. So, like, here she's trying to get a date and he's, like, running for his life. Yeah. He's like, yeah, 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 I'll call you. Yeah. I'm assuming that they slept together and then he never yes. called her back. It was kind yeah. of that kind of vibe. Yeah, that is definitely what happened. Yeah. So they get into the reading room and Wylan reveals like a secret passage behind this really big wall map. Uh, apparently he used to go in there with his tutor and found the passage. Uh, he s- explained that it was a way for professors to get home, uh, avoiding angry students who were pissed about their grades. <laughs> Are you jealous? <laughs> I'm so jealous. Like, I don't have to worry about students more so. I have to worry about parents. But, like, if I had a secret tunnel entrance (laughs) and exit that I could use to avoid all that, I totally would. Yeah. Um, But the exit comes out near at a nearby, like, print shop or something like that. Um, So, Jesper's, like, so they, they go in the passage and they start walking down the little passageway. And Jesper's thinking about this adventure that they just had and i think we've spoken about it before how like being in these kinds of situations these life or death situations sort of gives him like adrenaline and gives him a buzz of excitement and he really likes it mm-hmm. um but today he said like it, it, it's still there but it feels different yeah because his dad was there and his dad could have been shot and his dad could have died And his dad didn't choose to have this life. And he said his only, like, his only crime really has been, like, the fact that he loves his son and has faith in his son. So, like, I guess he doesn't have the same, like, adrenaline spike and the same, like, excitement for this sort of adventure, knowing it puts his loved ones in danger. So, I think we talked about it last book, too, but, like, the reason that he gets the high is because he's Grisha, and he's used, like, his Grisha power to direct the bullets and stuff, so that's why he usually gets a high off of these situations, um, because he's actually using the Grisha power, because if you don't use it, you get, like, sickly, and you're unwell, and that kind of shit, so, um, I just think that's important, too remind (laughs) remind everyone because yeah but it is interesting because yeah he's very he's very worried about his father which is which is sweet but it it makes him feel worse about himself too but like i don't know and you're gonna have to let me know about this like are we gonna get more to the story for jesper like are we gonna get more of his his i guess his journey into gambling addict um i don't really remember too much more i could be wrong though like this isn't this isn't the last time we're seeing his dad 
No, I guess my issue is that oh, this is as much as I love Jesper. Meeting his dad and hearing that, oh, I went to, I went out hanging out with my friends once and I went and gambled one time and that was it for me. It really doesn't endear me to him at all. Like, it doesn't make me feel sorry for him in any way. Like, if anything, it makes me feel like, dude, this is your fault. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make me feel sympathy for him. I get that. I know, like, it is an addiction. He's obviously, like, very addicted to it. Um, But yeah, I I don't really think we get more about his journey into addiction, but we do end up, well, say much about that. Okay. But yeah, there is more to the story, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I just feel, I just feel bad for his dad. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, I think that's how you're supposed to feel in this situation. Okay. Um, so move on now to Nina's POV. I feel like we're getting everybody's POV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so she is thinking about how she withdrew from the Perem. Um, and how Matthias like held her hair back when she was throwing up and held her hand through everything and she had like raged at him and tried to trick him into giving her more and guilted him and tried to like flirt with him into giving her more Perem but like he never gave in um and she remembers like she remembers everything so we are like it's really unfortunate because we, the last book, Nina was such a cool, confident, like, amazing character. And now we see her, another one person, like, slide into addiction. And now, like, everything about her circles around her trying to, her either trying to get Perem, trying to, um convince herself she doesn't want it or her trying to like ignore her uh, her need for it like it's all consuming in her brain now um when they first like she's thinking back uh when they first got to their hideout she actually asked Kawhi if he had any more and she said she just wanted a taste which is very like addict thing to want to do, but he didn't have any. Apparently, he gave everything he had to Matthias. So she said she wanted it so bad, but it scared her. But like she did beat back the need for it. Um, but last night it was her first time using her powers. So I guess she had to tailor herself. She tailored the black circles under her eyes. Um, And when she did that, she got such a hunger for the Perem. She almost, she almost ran out of the gambling hall to look for some. And the only thing that kept her in that room with that Smeet, is that his name? Yep. Smeet guy? 
Um, the only thing keeping her there was thinking of Inej and not leaving Inej to Vanek because she knew that Inej would never do that to her. Um, but later that night when everyone was asleep, she went through all of Matthias's stuff looking for it and couldn't find it. So she thought, well, maybe he's wearing it. Like, maybe it's on the stuff he's wearing. So then she gets in bed with him and starts looking through his pockets, making it seem like she's, like, looking for sexy times. Mm -hmm. Like, he woke up and he was like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, you know, like, kiss me, like, be with me. And he was, yeah, and he was like, everybody is around. And she was like, we'll just have to be quiet then. But, like. So she was making it seem like she wanted to be intimate, but really she was looking for the Prem. Um, he woke again, he woke up and he saw right through it, which like, good for him, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. I feel really bad for both of them. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Sad. Um, so he tells her that he doesn't have it, that he gave it all to Kaz. Um, she's obviously not gonna go slip in bed next to him and go through his clothes right uh so she just sort of cuts her losses and goes to sleep but like matthias also like he doesn't hate her for it like he's not mad at her which i actually really appreciate Mm -hmm. like he could tell right away that she was using her wiles to try and get what she wanted but he he just he just wasn't upset he was just like just go to sleep like and that was it i don't know i really appreciated this about him yeah he was very sweet in the moment which like Mm. almost i think made her feel worse but yeah she also needed it so so hard yeah um so she wakes up actually just as Kaz, Jesper, Matthias, and um, Wyland get back from escaping the university, and obviously Jesper's dad is with them. Um, and they get sort of the full story of why his dad was there. Um, his dad explains that he got a letter from the bank that he needs to pay his loan in full. And Kaz sort of figures out that, I mean, this was all sort of a ruse and that his dad has become bait. Like, they were using him to lure Jesper out. Uh, But his dad said that, like, he came because he couldn't get in touch with his son. Uh, So they all lie pretty terribly, if I might add. Yeah. Uh, Like, they all come up with this lie on the top of their heads that jasper was trying to get him the money and was duped like sort of the way kaz was duped yeah (laughs) and they also then so like that's lie number one then they all lie again and tell them that they're all students (laughs) and that the authorities can't help them because that's i guess the first thing his name is colm no the first thing he asks is why can't we get the police involved and they're like oh no we can't <laughs> the police don't care which is and true. like <laughs> that is true so that's not really a lie but anyway so 
his dad, essentially they just say, you need to, they ask him where he's staying and he's like, oh, I'm staying here. And they're like, well, get rid of that hotel. You're not staying there anymore. We're going to switch hotels and you're not allowed to leave the hotel, which is like, sounds terrible to have to stay in a mediocre hotel and do nothing and not be allowed to leave. I would get so bored if I had nothing to do. Um, so like, obviously his dad doesn't want to do that. Uh, so he suggests to Jesper that they start over somewhere else. He was like, I don't care about, about the farm. Like, how about you and I just go? Like, let's just get out of here and start somewhere else. But Jesper says, no, like we can't. And he says he doesn't, it's because he doesn't want his dad to lose the farm. Because she, quote unquote, is there. And I'm assuming it's his mother. Um, and like, I don't know if it's, if they're me, if they mean her spirit or if she's legit buried there. I mean, they didn't get into it. I kind of assume she's probably buried there. Um, so Jesper sort of pleased with his dad to let him make this right. And Kaz asks for three days. And he says like, three days. And then I will get you money and safe passage out of Kirch. And the dad actually agrees to this. Which blows my mind that you, an adult, are letting a bunch of 16 and 17 year old people handle this. Like, that's how old they are. Yeah. But, like, clearly, Jesper's gone off to university. Like, he's... I don't know. When I went to university, I wasn't basically an adult at that time i don't I know, know. If, is he older or I, I don't know i just like for me it's just an issue of i can't imagine a world in which a 35 to 40 maybe 45 year old person would say hey dangerous situation sure kids have fun yeah but he doesn't really know how dangerous they were just shot at but he thinks that's just because of where they are (laughs) he thinks that's the way this place is i just see i just i would now i wouldn't say like i'll do it myself but i would insist on being involved Mm. i would need to help yeah as an as the adult in the situation i would not be able to say yeah i'll just go sit in my hotel room you guys got this yeah, I would need to, I would need to be like, no, put me in like whatever you guys are doing. I need I need to help. Yeah, but that's I, just I me, I guess. I can't comment on that at the moment. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so he does agree with this. So this three days thing. Uh, but he tells Jasper like, okay, in three days we're gonna leave, whether you have the money or not. And Nina, like, is watching all of this, and she feels really homesick, because none of them have, like, loving families to go home to, except for Jesper. Like, Nina was taken from her family at a really young age, doesn't even really know who they are. Um, Kaz obviously has no family left. Uh, Wyland's dad is actively trying to, like, kill them. Uh... (laughs) Matthias, Matthias is like, 
he's not allowed to show his face in his homeland again. And, like, they are all convinced he's dead anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, and so Jesper is really the only one that has a loving family in his life. And, like, someone that actually, like, cares about what happens to them. Anyway, so it, it just makes her feel, like, homesick, but homesick for a home she doesn't have and has never had. Anyway, uh, so his dad leaves then. And he leaves with, like, a couple of, uh, a couple of Kaz guys that are gonna bring him to his new hotel room. Um... And Kaz gives Jesper his guns. So he went and got them for him. Yay. And yeah, Jesper was like, oh my god, this is so nice of you. Like, he was really happy. <laughs> but then Kaz says, uh, a shooter is useless without his guns. So like, it was not a loving gesture at all. And that really brings Jesper down. Yeah. Um. So that night, they head out to f- fill out, to, to like, complete the next phase of their plan. So last night was, I'm going to call it phase one. Tonight is phase two. Uh, so they approach by boat, and apparently it was Nina's job to use her heart render powers to take out four of the guards. She wants them, they need to all be taken out at once and quietly. But she is real nervous about it. Because all she can think about in her brain is how easy it would be to do it with the Perem. Um, so she's, like, Jesper is with her and is waiting for her, like, okay, the guard's coming, time to knock him out, like, come on, let's go. And so she's trying, but she can't harness her power to knock, I guess she's doing it two and two. Um... So she can't use her power to take the first two guards out. And one of them notices them and tries and is like, identify yourselves, like, tell us who you are. And all of a sudden, a blinding rage takes over her and a cloud of dust swarms the guy and, like, essentially fills every orifice he has. And he did. Yeah. Um... First guy's dead. Second guy falls to his knees with her power. But she can't knock him out. So they just hit him over the head. Okay. It works. Yes. And she sort of can't believe that she has manipulated dust. Because she's not supposed to be able to do that. But I don't understand because I thought in one of the other books... Or maybe in a conversation, we had talked about how if they can manipulate the small science, they should be able to do all the small science. They just focus on what they're most talented at. I think it's within, like, the colors of their things. So, like, I I don't think it's, like, you can't do everything. She can only do, like, organic things. Right. Like a fabric or whatever they are they can do in order right. to matter but yeah i think like she she could do heart rendering she could do tailoring she can do all the stuff that goes under that banner okay because the other ones are elements so like she can't she can't uh, manipulate elements either okay well anyway she feels that way 
this is something that a fabricator would would be able to do. I am not a fabricator. I should not be able to do this. So she actually doesn't even think it's her at first. She thought it was Jesper. Jesper's like, no, dude. That was all you. Because <laughs> he is a fabricator, technically. Yes. Uh, so switch to Inej point of view. Uh, so she woke up after being put back in her room, cell, whatever. Uh, so she woke up, she was hungry, but nobody came with a tray. So, like, she was getting regularly fed, but she said Vanek, like, already played his hand, I guess. Um, he didn't need to try and, like, turn her anymore. Like, he was done with the whole good cop, bad cop sort of scenario. And he knew that he had her leverage. Like, he knew that threatening to damage her legs was, is, is the right thing. So she looks up at the vent that she snuck out of the first time and it's bolted shut again. So they, she's assuming they intentionally left, like, left it loose for her the first time. Mm -hmm. And they've bolted it shut. Um... Then, so, she makes a plan to talk. So she's like, I'm going to talk. But she plans to reveal useless safe houses. And she's going to leave lead them all over Ketterdam to give Kaz time to do what he needs to do. Because she knows that something, like, she knows that, um, like, that Kaz is doing something. She just doesn't know what. So she wants to give him time to do it. So she's planning on talking. But she's going to give them all useless information. And I'm just like, it's a good idea. But do you really think that he hasn't thought of this? Venek, I mean. Yeah. I just, I don't understand. Like, it was really dumb. I don't think. She was never going to be able to give him what he wants. It's just dumb to even try to get it at, well I guess you kind of have to try to get information mm. from her she's what you have but like Kaz is never gonna go somewhere that she could lead anyone to it's just yeah uh anyway so Bajan returns after like all day and he's got six armed guards with him and she says like he doesn't look happy anymore and she doesn't know if Vanek is like treating him like shit because he didn't get the job done or if it has something to do with the curse she put on him or like or if like he knows what's about to happen and isn't happy about it she has no idea she just knows he's not happy so they take her back to the theater and she tells Vanek that she's ready to talk and she starts telling him of all these places but he says like really I know that these are not real like I know these are fake leads. And he then tells her that Kaz is actually coming to rescue her. And that Kaz has let, he's let him outsmart himself. And apparently Vanek has planted leads to make sure he comes here. And he's got a trap laid for over 30 men. Like, there's 30 dudes in the audience, like, ready to ready to go. He's so fucking dramatic. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and he tells Inej that Vanek, that he thinks 
that people like Kaz are like blights on the community and should be essentially exterminated, which is like, hey. Um, but like also sort of compliments him at the same time because he's like, the kid has a brilliant mind and could like really could rule the city. Like he could rule the city one day, but instead he leeches off of working men. I mean, like, it's a circumstantial thing. Leave him alone. Um, But his plan is to capture Kaz and either torture him for Kauai's location or torturing Inej in front of him and making him watch uh, to get the information that he needs out of him. But he also says he wants to break his fingers first. Just for good measure. It's because he always breaks gloves. Everyone's real obsessed yeah. with that fact. They are, yeah. Um, so they hear footsteps and they think that Kaz is coming. And like, I know she's like freaking out because she's like, I, I don't know how he's going to get out of this one. But it's a boy that is like a runner or something for Venex. And he's got a letter from Venex Lake House. So. Turns out, Kaz and the others weren't breaking into the theater. They actually broke into Van X Lake House and kidnapped his pregnant wife. Ha! It's amazing. It is. It's so good. I love it. Because Van Eck was so, like, smug thinking that, like, he had outsmarted him. And he really did not. Um... Anyway, the note is a demand for an exchange. Inej for pregnant wife. And, like, Van Eck is pissed. And, like, he sort of makes a motion that he's gonna, like, torture Inej just to, like, get his anger out. But Inej is like, go ahead. See what happens to your pregnant wife if I'm hurt in any way, shape, or form. Like, she's got her, like, sass back, and I really love it. I do, too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so like Inej is like loving her life so skip now to Matthias's POV so apparently according to him Alice Vanek the pregnant wife is annoying as fuck I kind of just love this part because it's so ridiculous <laughs> Uh, so they figure out, like, Kaz actually figured out super quick that Inej was being housed at the theater, but he was also making it apparently super obvious that it was a trap. So instead of doing what Van Eck thought he would do, which is break in and try and get Inej back, he went after, like, he found out where he was holding his wife. Because his wife was not living in his, like, main house that's in his name. She was tucked away somewhere else. Uh, so they went after her when Venek was focused on the theater and defending the theater. So they went to the house, broke in, like, clockwork, took Alice. <laughs> she went right along with it. Like, she was like, oh, hello! And just, like, walked out with them. <laughs> Because she's dumb. She's not very bright. Rocks. And so they got back to the cemetery, and then she realized that she'd been kidnapped 
And now she wouldn't stop crying. So Kaz is, like, getting annoyed at the crying and essentially, like, threatens the others and is like, find a way to shut her up or else. Yeah. And he doesn't, like, so Wylan sort of comes to her defense and is like, dude, she's scared. She's really pregnant and uncomfortable. Like, leave her alone. Uh, he obviously doesn't want Kaz to hurt her, but Kaz is, like, annoyed and pissed and doesn't want anybody to, like, push him right now. Yeah. So they get some of, um, Nina's fancy expensive cookies and let Alice have some. And then they ask her about her stepson, which is Wylan, which is hilarious. Like, he's right there. Think, and she's like, oh, he, he's so talented. Isn't it Jesper asking because he just wants some dirt? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I think it's the cutest. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she says he's a super talented musician studying at a school and that he's always been nice to her. And I'm like, nah, that's not true. Like, you have been told a lie, Maybe this lady. Will come up in the next few chapters. Hmm. <laughs> So, of course, so, like, she was a bit distracted while she was eating the cookies, and then all of a sudden, because they brought up Wylan, the stepson, it reminds her of home, and she starts crying again. So, and she's like, I want my dogs! <laughs> like, I could just see her with, like, those annoying little lap dogs. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So, Matthias takes charge, because he remembers what his mother was like when she was pregnant with his sister. So he gets her a cool compress and then he rubs her feet and like I wouldn't do that if I had I would not do that. If it was somebody I loved, yes. Would I do that to a rando that I'm just using for money? Absolutely not. I I don't really care. (laughs) It just Feels like a very intimate gesture. Like, to me, that is something a husband does for his oh, wife. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're rubbing your wife's aching feet because she's pregnant with your yeah. child. I can I can see that, but it's just obviously not in this situation. They're just trying to get her to shut up. <laughs> I guess. They're trying everything, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So he sort of promises that no one will harm her and asks, like, what makes you happy? And she says she likes having her hair done and and she likes singing. So he's like, well, then by all means, sing. So she sings. And she doesn't stop singing. <laughs> like, it's continuous. And... She falls asleep eventually, but, like, even, they even say she's, like, singing in her sleep. Like, it's brutal. (laughs) And apparently it's not great singing, either. It's a little tone deaf. Um, so after she falls asleep, it's up to Nina and Matthias to head to their positions, I guess, for the meeting place. Like, they're going there already. Um... Matthias knows that Nina isn't well, and he also knows that giving Kaz the perem was the right decision, because, like, he knows that 
when she was kissing him the other night, he would have given her, like, anything she asked for. So the fact that, like, if he had had it in his possession, it would have been hers. So that's why it's a really good thing that Kaz has it all. Um, So him and Nina make their way into town because I guess they're meeting on, like, a bridge or something like that. So they have to get to, like, these positions around the bridge. Um, and he asks her if she's all right. And she's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And he says, well, then, like, the uh, why did you wear a wig the other night when you were at the gambling hall instead of tailoring herself? And she finally admits to him that she feels different. And it, it felt painful to try and do the tailoring. And he asks, well, let's practice. Why don't you compel me to do something? Because that's what a heart render should be able to do. So she tries to make him kiss her, but she can't do it. So then they head to a costume shop and pick up an order of 200 costumes. And then they start to just distribute them on the street. And they're telling people it's a promotion for New Gambling Hall. The Crimson Cutlass. And they get to the bridge, I think, that they're supposed to be, um, like, watching uh, for the next morning. And Nina is, like, mad at him. Mostly because she thinks he's treating her like she's tra- like she's fragile, but she's not. And, like... I see what she means, but I also, like, I don't think that's entirely fair. I think both of them are dealing with a situation that is completely out of their depth, and he's just trying to do his best. I get that. But I also, like, she she doesn't understand what's happening to her, so she doesn't even know how to explain it to me. Because, like, she did try to tailor herself, and she couldn't do it. And, like, her... Nothing is the same as it was before she took the perim. Like, her power is not working the same. She doesn't know why she was able to use dust when that's not something she should have been able to do. So she's just very confused. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, so they part ways, and Matthias makes his way to his section and signals to Jesper that he's here. Um. And I guess they, like, they slept for, like, a little bit in between this. Because, um, like, the time has now come for the exchange. So Matthias is, like, watching with a spyglass. And he sees Kaz and Venek approach each other. Uh, and Al- Alice is obviously there and Inez is there. And they're about to make the exchange when Jesper starts signaling with his little mirror frantically. And Matthias is then trying to signal Nina. Um... And he can't stop worrying about her, but he realizes, like, oh shit, trouble is coming. Like, there's something coming. And they don't know what it is. And that's the end of chapter eight. Unfortunate. So we're leaving (laughs) off on a decent cliffhanger, which I love when that happens. Like, I love when we leave off on, like, a good spot. No, it's good. So, so yeah. That's our first week of Crooked Kingdom all done. It's great. So, um, I'm really excited to see where this book goes. 
Uh, I know you've read it, so you know all of the little bits and bobs that are going to come out. I don't, apart from one major one, like, one major spoiler that I've got. But, like, other than that, I don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just, I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah, and one of the things I like about this book and about Six of Crows is that, like, you don't really know what's going to happen. So in Six of Crows, you thought you knew the plan and then shit started happening and you were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is this happening? And then it was all like, that was meant to happen. This is perfect. And you're like, it wraps up cleanly. And you're like, how? And this book is kind of the same way. And I really like that in a book where I can't, I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I'm excited. I love a good heist. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we're going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in our episodes, or if you have any book suggestions for us, please reach out to us by email at coffeeandcoread at gmail.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at coffeeandcoread. Yeah, so next week we're going to do the next part, which is chapters 9 to 16. Uh, So make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you get our content. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next page.